Section 32 of The French Revolution by Thomas Carlyle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Allen. The French Revolution by Thomas Carlyle. Volume 1, Book 5, Chapter 6. Storm and Victory. But to the living and the struggling, a new fourteenth morning dawns. Under all roofs of this distracted city is the notice of a drama, not untragical, crowding toward solution. The bustling and preparings, the tremors and menaces, the tears that fell from old eyes. This day, my sons, ye shall quit you like men, by the memory of your father's wrongs, by the hope of your children's rights. Tyranny and pens in red wrath. Help for you is none, if not in your own right hands. This day ye must do or die. From earliest light, a sleepless permanent committee has heard the old cry, now waxing almost frantic, mutinous. Arms! Arms! Provost Placel, or what traitors there are among you, may think of those Charville boxes. A hundred and fifty thousand of us, and but the third man furnished with so much as a pike. Arms are the one thing needful. With arms we are unconquerable, men-defying National Guard. Without arms, a rabble to be whiffed with grape-shot. Happily the word has arisen, for no secret can be kept, that there lie muskets at the Hôtel d'Invalide. Thither will we. Kings! Procurer, Monsieur Ethi de Corny, and whatsoever authority a permanent committee can lend shall go with us. The Senville's camp is there. Perhaps he will not fire on us. If he kill us, we shall but die. Alas, poor Vencevel, with his troops melting away in that manner, has not the smallest humor to fire. At five o'clock this morning, as he lay dreaming, oblivious in the Ecole Militaire, a figure stood suddenly at his bedside, with face rather handsome, eyes inflamed, speech rapid and curt, air audacious. Such a figure drew Priam's curtains. The message and monition of the figure was that resistance would be hopeless, that if blood flowed, woe to him who shed it. Thus spoke the figure and vanished. Withal, there was a kind of eloquence that struck one. Besenville admits that he should have arrested him, but did not. Who this figure, with inflamed eyes, with speech rapid and curt, might be, Vencevel knows, but mentions not. Camille de Moline? Pythagorean Marquis Villati, inflamed with violent motions all night at the Palais Royal. Fame names him Young Monsieur Maillard, then shuts her lips about him forever. In any case, Behold, about nine in the morning, our national volunteers, rolling in long, wide flood, southwestward to the Hôtel des Invalides, in search of the one thing needful. King's procureur, Monsieur Athies de Corny, and officials are there. The curé of Saint-Antoine-du-Mont marches on Pacific at the head of his militant parish. The clerks of the Bazouchet in red coats we see marching. Now volunteers of the Bajousset, the volunteers of the Palais Royal, national volunteers, 
numerable by tens of thousands, of one heart and mind. The king's muskets are the nation's. Think, old Monsieur de Sombreil, how, in this extremity, thou wilt refuse them. Old Monsieur de Sombreil would fain hold parley, send couriers, but it skills not. The walls are scaled, no invalid firing a shot. The gates must be flung open. Patriotism rushes in, tumultuous, from Grunsel up to Ridge Tile, through all rooms and passages, rummaging distractedly for arms. What cellar, or what cranny can escape it? The arms are found, all safe there, lying packed in straw, apparently with a view to being burnt. More ravenous than famishing lions over dead prey, the multitude, with clangor and vociferation, pounces on them, struggling, dashing, clutching. To the jamming up, to the pressure, fracture, and probably extinction of the weaker patriot. And so, with such protracted crash of deafening, most discordant orchestra music, the scene is changed. And eight and twenty thousand sufficient firelocks are on the shoulders of so many national guards, lifted thereby, out of darkness, into fiery light. Let Bensonful look at the glittering of these muskets as they flash by. Gars Francais, it is said, have cannon leveled on him, ready to open if need were. From the other side of the river, motionless, sits he, astonished, one may flatter oneself, at the proud bearing of the Parisians. And now to the Bastille, ye intrepid Parisians! There grapeshot still threatens, thither all men's thoughts and steps are now treading. Old de Launay, as we hinted, withdrew into his interior soon after midnight of Sunday. He remains there ever since, pampered, as all military gentlemen now are, in the saddest conflict of uncertainties. The Hôtel de Ville invites him to admit national soldiers, which is a soft name for surrendering. On the other hand, His Majesty's orders were precise. His garrison is but eighty-two old invalides, reinforced by thirty-two young Swiss. His walls, indeed, are nine feet thick. He has cannon and powder, but alas, only one day's provision of victuals. The city, too, is French. The poor garrison, mostly French. Rigorous old de Launier, think what thou wilt do. All morning, since nine, there has been a cry everywhere. To the Bastille! Repeated deputations of citizens have been here, passionate for arms whom de Launier has got dismissed by soft speeches through portholes. Towards noon, Elector Thoroy de la Roserie gains admittance, finds de Launier indisposed for surrender, nay, disposed for blowing up the place rather. Thoroy mounts with him to the battlements. Heaps of paving stones, old iron and missiles lie piled, cannon all duly leveled, in every embrasure a cannon, only drawn back a little. But outwards, behold! Oh, Thoroy, how the multitude flows on, welling through every street, toxin furiously peeling, all drums beating the general, the suburb Saint Antoine rolling hitherward, holy, as one man, such vision, spectral yet real, though, O oh, Thoroy, as from thy mount of vision, beholdest in this moment, prophetic of what the phantasmagories, 
and loud gibbering special realities which thou yet beholdest not, but shall. Quote, que voulez-vous? said Delonier, turning pale at the sight, and with an air of reproach, almost of menace. Quote, Major, said Thoreau, rising into the moral sublime, what mean you? Consider if I could not precipitate both of us from this height, unquote. say only a hundred feet, exclusive of the walled ditch, whereupon Delonier fell silent. The right shows himself from some pinnacle to comfort the multitude becoming suspicious, grimacing, and then descends, departs with protest, with warning addressed also to the invalid, on whom, however, it produces but a mixed indistinct impression. The old heads are none of the clearest. Besides, it is said that Delaunier has been profuse of beverages. They think they will not fire, if not fired on, if they can help it, but must, on the whole, be ruled considerably by circumstances. Woe to thee, Delaunier! In such an hour, if thou canst not, taking some one firm decision, rule circumstances. Soft speeches will not serve. Hard grape-shot is questionable, but hovering between the two is unquestionable. Ever wilder swells the tide of men, their infinite hum waxing ever louder into imprecations, perhaps into crackle of stray musketry, which latter, on walls nine feet thick, cannot do execution. The outer drawbridge has been lowered for Thoreau. New deputation of citizens, it is the third and noisiest of all, penetrates that way into the outer court. Soft speeches produce no clearance of these. De Longnier gives fire, pulls up his drawbridge, a slight sputter, which has kindled the too combustible chaos, made it a roaring fire chaos, burst forth insurrection at sight of its own blood, for there were deaths by that sputter of fire, into endless rolling explosion of musketry, distraction, execration, and overhead from the fortress, let one great gun with its grape-shot go booming to show what we could do. The Bastille is besieged! On then, all Frenchmen, that have hearts in their bodies, roar with all your throats of cartilage and metal, ye sons of liberty, spur spasmatically whatsoever of utmost faculty is in you, soul, body, or spirit, for it is the hour. Smite thou, Louis Tournay! Cartwright of the Marais, old soldier of the regiment Dauphine, smite at that outer drawbridge chain, though the fiery hail whistles round thee, never, over knave or fellow, did thy axe strike such a stroke. Down with it, man, down with it to Orcus. Let the whole accursed edifice sink thither, and tyranny be swallowed up forever. Mounted, some say, on the roof of the guard-room, some on bayonets struck into joints of the wall. Louis Tournay smites. Brave Aubin Bommeret, also an old soldier, seconding him. The chain yields, breaks. The huge drawbridge slams down, thundering. Avec fracas. Glorious! And yet, alas, it is still but the outworks. The eight grim towers with their invalid musketry, their paving stones and cannon mouths, still soar aloft intact, ditch-yawning impassable, stone-faced, the inner drawbridge with its back towards us. The Bastille is still to take. 
to describe this siege of the Bastille, thought to be one of the most important in history, perhaps transcends the talent of mortals. Could one but after infinite reading get to understand so much as the plan of the building? But there is open esplanade at the end of the Rue Saint-Antoine. There are such forecourts, Corps of Ange, Corps de Lume, arched gateway, where Louis Tournay now fights. Then new drawbridges, dormant bridges, rampart bastions, and the Grimate Towers, a labyrinthic mass, high frowning there of all ages from twenty years to four hundred and twenty, beleaguered in this its last hour, as we said, by mere chaos come again. Ordnance of all calibers, throats of all capacities, men of all plans, every man his own engineer. Seldom since the war of pygmies and cranes was there seen so analogous a thing. Half pay Ellie is home for a suit of regimentals. No one would heed him in the colored clothes. Half pay Hui is harangued. Guards Francais in the Palais de Grave. Frantic patriots pick up the grape shot, bear them, still hot, or seemingly so, to the Hôtel de Ville. Paris, you perceive, is to be burnt. Flessel is pale to the very lips, for the roar of the multitude grows deep. Paris wholly has got the acme of its frenzy, whirled always by panic madness. At every street barricade there whirls simmering, a minor whirlpool, strengthening the barricade, since God knows what is coming, and all minor whirlpools play distractedly into that grand fire maelstrom which is lashing round the Bastille, and so it lashes and it roars. Cholat, the wine merchant, has become an impromptu cannoneer. See Georget, of the marine service, fresh from Brest, by the king of Siam's cannon. Singular, if we were not used to the like. Georget lay, last night, taking his ease at his inn. The king of Siam's cannon also lay, knowing nothing of him for a hundred years. Yet now, at the right instant, they have got together and discourse eloquent music. For hearing what was toward, Georget sprang from the breast de Légion and ran. Guards Francais also will be here, with real artillery. Were not the walls so thick? Upwards from the esplanade, horizontally from all neighboring roofs and windows, flashes one irregular deluge of musketry, without effect. The invalides lie flat, firing comparatively at their ease from behind stone, hardly through portholes show the tip of a nose. We fall, shot, and make no impression. Let conflagration rage of whatever is combustible. Guard rooms are burnt, invalid mess rooms. A distracted peruke maker with two fiery torches is for burning the saltpeters of the arsenal. Had not a woman run screaming, had not a patriot with some tincture of natural philosophy instantly struck the wind out of him, butt of musket on the pit of stomach overturned barrels and stayed the devouring element a young beautiful lady seized escaping in these outer courts and thought falsely to be de launay's daughter shall be burnt in de launay's sight she lies swooned on a palace but again a patriot it is brave aubab bonmarie the old soldier dashes in and rescues her straw is burnt three carloads of it hauled thither go up in white smoke almost to the choking of patriotism itself. 
so that Ellie had, with singed brow, to drag back one cart, and Riol, the gigantic haberdasher, another. Smoke, as of Tophet, confusion, as of Babel, noise, as of the crack of doom. Blood flows, the ailment of new madness. The wounded are carried into houses of the Rue Serezub. The dying leave their last mandate not to yield till the accursed stronghold falls. And yet, alas, how fall? The walls are so thick. Deputations, three in number, arrive from the Hôtel de Ville. Ab Fouchet, who was of one, can say, with what almost superhuman courage of benevolence, these wave their town flag in the arched gateway and stand, rolling their drum, but to no purpose. In such crack of doom, de Launier cannot hear them, dare not believe them. They return with justified rage, a few of lead still singing in their ears. What to do? The firemen are here, squirting with their fire pumps on the invalid cannon to wet the touch holes. They unfortunately cannot squirt so high, or produce only clouds of spray. Individuals of classic knowledge propose catapults. Something, the sonorous brewer of the suburb Saint Antoine, advises rather that the place be fired by a mixture of phosphorus and oil of turpentine spouted up through forcing pumps. Ospinola Santel, hast thou the mixture ready? Every man his own engineer! And still the fire deluge abates not. Even women are firing, and Turks, at least one woman, with her sweetheart, and one Turk. Guards Francais have come, real cannon, real cannoneers. Usher Maillard is busy, half pay Elie, half pay Ula, rage in the midst of thousands. How the great Bastille clock ticks, inaudible, in its inner court there, at its ease, hour after hour, as if nothing special for it or the world were passing. It told, one when the firing began and is now pointing towards five, and still the firing slakes not. Far down in their vaults, the seven prisoners hear muffled din, as of earthquakes. Their turnkeys answer vaguely. Woe to thee, de Launier, with thy poor hundred invalides. Broy is distant, and his ears heavy. Bezenville hears, but can send no help. One poor troop of hussars has crept, reconnoitering cautiously along the quays, as far as the Pont Neuf. Quote, we are come to join you, unquote, said the captain, for the crowd seemed shoreless. A large-headed dwarfish individual of smoke-bleared aspect shambles forward, opening his blue lips, for there is sense in him, and croaks, quote, alight then, and give up your arms, unquote. The hussar captain is too happy to be escorted to the barriers and dismissed on parole. Who the squat individual was? Men answer. It is Major Merat, author of the excellent Pacific Avis au People. Great truly, O thou remarkable dog leech! Is this thy day of emergence and new birth? And yet this same day come four years. But let the curtains of the future hang. What shall Delaunier do? One thing only Delaunier could have done. What he said he would do. Fancy him sitting for the first, with lighted taper, 
within arm's length of the powder magazine, motionless, like old Roman senator or bronze lamp holder, coldly appraising Thoreau and all men by a slight motion of his eye, what his resolution was. Harmless, he sat there, while unharmed, but the king's fortress, meanwhile, could, might, would, or should, in no wise be surrendered, save to the king's messenger. One old man's life worthless, so it be lost with honor. But think, ye brawning canai, how will it be when a whole bastille springs skyward? In such statuesque, taper-holding attitude, one fancies de Lognier might have left the Roy, the red clerks of Bazochet, Curie of St. Stephen, in all the tag-red and bobtail of the world, to work their will. And yet, withal, he could not do it. Hast thou considered how each man's heart is so tremulously responsive to the hearts of all men? Hast thou noted how omnipotent is the very sound of many men? How long their shriek of indignation palsies the strong soul? Their howl of contumely withers with unfelt pangs? The Ritter Gluck confessed that the ground tone of the noblest passage in one of his noblest operas was the voice of the populace he had heard at Vienna, crying to their Kaiser, Bread! Bread! Great the combined voice of men the utterance of their instincts, which are truer than their thoughts. It is the greatest a man encounters among the sounds and shadows which make up this world of time. He who can resist that has his footing somewhere beyond time. De Lunier could not do it. Distracted, he hovers between the two, hopes in the middle of despair, surrenders not his fortress, declares that he will blow it up, seizes torches to blow it up, and does not blow it up. Unhappy old Delonier, it is the death agony of thy Bastille and thee. Jail, jailering, and jailer, all three, such as they may have been, must finish. For four hours now has the world bedlam roared. Call it the world chimera, blowing fire. The poor invalid have sunk under their battlements, or rise only with reversed muskets. They have made a white flag of napkins, go beating the chamad, or seeming to beat, for one can hear nothing. The very Swiss at the portcullis look weary of firing, disheartened in the fire deluge. The porthole at the drawbridge is open, as by one that would speak. See Uger Maillard, the shifty man, on his plank swinging over the abyss of that stone ditch, plank resting on parapet, balanced by weight of patriots. He hovers perilous, such a dove toward such an ark, deftly, thou shifty Ushier. One man already fell and lies smashed, far down there against the masonry. Ushier Maillard falls not, deftly unerring he walks, with outspread palm. The Swiss holds a paper through his porthole. The shifty Usher snatches it and returns. Terms of surrender. Pardon. Immunity to all. Are they accepted? Quote, For d'officer, on the word of an officer, unquote, answers half-pay Huyin, or half-pay Ellie, for men do not agree on it. 
quote, they are, unquote. Boucher Maillard, bolting it when down, rushes in the living deluge. The Bastille is fallen! Victory! The Bastille breeze! End of part 32